Plot twists. We are obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm part of the odd impression. And throughout this series, brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. So my guest this week is one of my all-time favourite comedy actors, Kev in Derek, Brian Gittings in Afterlife, David Earl is a gem. And in both those shows, he sort of plays a character that has this crude exterior, but beneath it, there is this surprising tenderness, a damaged soul and a person with passion. And he plays that to perfection. Oh, and the outtakes, just some of the funniest stuff you will see. If you need to perk up your day, go on YouTube and watch the outtakes of Afterlife or Derek, and he does not disappoint. And he actually brought back Brian Gittings again last year in Brian and Charles, a film where he stars as this lonely recluse in the Welsh countryside and through boredom and creative genius builds this robot called Charles Petrescu. And it's an endearing story of their journey, which has plenty of ups and downs, even won a Sundance Best Film Award, which was a tribute to how great it was. And you can watch Brian and Charles on Sky Cinema or with a cinema pass on now. And he actually gives us a brilliant explanation as to how Charles was brought to life and how the robotic voice came to life as well. You know what? There are so many projects that David has been across and has probably used that robotic voice. Stand up, playing Brian Gittings in, in that role. Lots of podcasts, Gossip Mongers that she did in the past, which is a brilliant show. And even his new shows like My New Football Club and Chatterbix, which he does with Joe Wilkinson. It's brilliant. All in all, we had a great day out. It was a lovely interview. We popped down to David's neck of the woods in Devon. A bit of a random location, this derelict school, but it had a very nice podcast studio. So there we go. Without further ado, here is David, 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 David Earl on plot turns. No, potholes. No, plot twist. Yes, plot twist. This is pretty cozy. Very nice too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit surreal for me because I don't know if you felt this, but certain comedy characters can influence like a friendship that you have with somebody right. so that you can communicate in a certain way through okay. that comedy character in certain ways. And Kev, who you played in Derek, yeah. and Brian in Afterlife are two of those characters that have probably over the last 10 years have had quite an influence on my friendships. Hey, what do you do with one another? Well, we're just we'll say, uh, a phrase will come out. Right. So, <laughs> right. It'll be, if there's two of something, be oh, lovely pair of boys. Oh yeah, yeah. lovely pair of boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lovely pair of boys. Did yeah. you have that? Do you have like friendships there, sort of? Oh, definitely. It would have been yeah. like Ricky at the office or Partridge, Harry maybe Hill. Harry Hill. Yeah. Yeah. I always, just, I always go, oh, yum yums, mm, yum yums. <laughs> I think that's Harry Hill. Yeah. Occasionally on stage, I'd say something and then have to go. Sorry, that's Harry Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can't help it, can you? No, I think you get very impressionable. <laughs> well, yeah. You do. Clearly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're being sat here in this intimate setting. Yeah. On this yeah. lovely sofa, it's a bit odd. Yeah. yeah. It's all right. Nice can way. I put my leg over your... <laughs> no, I won't, I won't. 
How you doing though? Yeah, good. Yeah? Yeah, pretty good. Life in Devon's nice. Life in Devon is lovely. It's a lovely area, isn't it? Yeah, it is lovely. Yeah. I love it down here. I should say for listeners, we are actually in a studio in Devon, which is one of the more random locations I've recorded in. <laughs> yeah, and you've driven great. all the way down. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah, got to do it for you. Yeah. Thank yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah, no, I really like it down here. I, was sort of, I remember hearing Dawn French saying she moved to Cornwall to die. I sort of feel a bit like a that. Morbid. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit morbid. Five minutes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A bit no. of a contingent down here, though. A bit yeah. of a comedy circle. There is. There's Jennifer Saunders, Dawn French, Spencer Jones. You know Spencer Jones? I know the name, yeah. There's a few of us. Oh, building up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about some plot twists and talk about some of your projects. Right. I'm quite keen to sort of delve into the, the creativity behind it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, if someone hasn't seen your stand-up before, and correct me if I'm wrong, they might say it was a bit random. Yeah. Parts. Is that it fair? wasn't for me. It's like all I could do. Yeah. So if someone went, it's a bit weird, <laughs> is it? That's <laughs> literally all I can do. So, Well, I've got a random question generator. Okay. I... This is the, the level of journalism you're getting today. Yeah. In the, There's a website that populates random questions. Right. I think, I like that. I'll yeah. use it. Okay. I thought to start things off, we could go there mm-hmm. and then uh, get into some of the more serious stuff with plot twists and so on. I'm all yours. So... <laughs> I warned you. Some of this is some of this is really nice and, and thought provoking and creative. Yeah. Some of it's just a bit weird. Okay. So we'll just we'll just roll with okay. it. Okay. Okay. I'll try my best. The first one is if <laughs> if you jacked in everything that you do now, and you became an artist. An artist. Yeah, painter. Oh, I'm trying to first, do that at the moment. Are you? What's the first thing you paint? Oh man. I'm. I mean, li- I'm literally doing that at the moment. Are you? Yeah, I've just bought loads. Quite of therapeutic. Ca- yeah, I'm finding it really stressful. Because uh, I'm no good. I don't know. I don't know anything about art. I found it quite. I'm sort of scared of it. So I've mm. kind of stayed well away from it. And I thought, no, I've got to get over that. So I've bought loads of canvases, loads of paint, paint brushes. Some, sp- some spray paint. Yeah, mix it up. <laughs> A little <Yeah>. bit different. <laughs> A bit edgy. Set not different. And um, I'm trying to do this painting at the moment. What are you doing? Uh, don't worry about it <laughs> it's crap i don't know what i'm doing don't it's the meaning of art so what what is it like you know i, I don't, don't know. mean it's in the picture itself i mean just the meaning is in it makes you feel something doesn't I, it? it really does I, yeah. it's really um relaxing in the moment it is when you're in the little zone yeah and then you step back and then you just go what's that mm. it's crap <laughs> that's shite then you turn it round so no one could see it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of doing something like that, though, and actually you are completely in the moment. Yeah, but All I mean, those ba- distractions I, yeah. are away for just, even if it's an hour or so. That's true. That's nice. I, put, I got, bought some white dungarees <clears throat> that I slipped those on. Nice. And well, that not make, now. That makes, <laughs> that makes me feel quite nice. And, uh, and then my wife will come in. I go, oh, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you hate it, don't you? No. It's really stressful. I find it really stressful. We've got a big space on the wall in the living room, and my thought was, let's paint something and let's try and blag it and just have a happy accident. So then I go, oh, that's really good. That needs to go on the wall. 
So instead of spending like five grand on a painting, just do any old shit yeah. and stick it up. You could tell it's, you could say it's from somebody else. Yeah. It's local artist. He's, yeah. he's top. Yeah. Friends would be Paul. Like, oh, yeah. He's wonderful. Yeah. Paul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Next one is uh, a bit random. <laughs> yeah. What kind of noises did the dinosaurs make? Can you do it? Look at now. Really embarrassed. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Can this you is what do it? Well, I mean, if I have asked you first, but uh, God, I used to do. I had a dinosaur joke, and I had to do the dinosaur noise. It was laying an egg, and I had to do the noise. Oh, I can't do the noise. These yeah. were genuinely populated and very random, yeah. so it's not like I've just tried to chuck something. <laughs> No, that wasn't it. That wasn't it. Oh, God. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You're on a, you're on a lifeboat. Yeah. And you've got the option of saving two people. One is Joe Wilkinson. Oh, flipping out. I know, I know, I know. And then the other is Ricky. Ricky Gervais. You can only save one. Well, Ricky's lived a good life. <laughs> Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's touching 70. He's getting there, yeah. <laughs> is he? No, no he must be mid 60s. He's what, early 60s? Early 60s. I can't yeah. believe he's early 60s. Right, early if I really think about this, this is take this seriously. Yeah. What is it? I've so you're, got a... you're on a boat that can only take so many, and let's say. Oh my God. I know, it's pretty rough, isn't it? I don't know how you found yourself there. <laughs> but Joe and Ricky are in the water, and they're going, David, save me. And then the guy on the boat saying, we can only get one more. I'd just, I'd be all over the shop. <laughs> I wouldn't know what, genuinely, I'd be just so panicked. I don't think, they'd probably both die because I'd just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> no, I don't know what. I'd... I thought you might say, well, you know, like Ricky's lived a good life. Well, yeah, but I don't, I'm not going to sit there and go, well, you've lived a good life, mate, and I do a podcast with you, so up you come. That's not going to happen. So I'm trying to think, what would I do? I'd just be in the moment. I'd go for the whoever's sort of, if anyone looks like they're at peace or something, I'd let them go. God, that's a tricky one, isn't it? It is tough. I mean, maybe I should be just being a bit more flippant, but I'm really imagining like their faces. No, you're of, getting into it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> what sort of face is Ricky pulling? Oh, just... <laughs> 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 they both are actually. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's freezing. Geez. It'll be freezing. Yeah. Yeah. Flipping out. They're not Wim Hof. They're what? They're not Wim no, Hof. They're, they? No, they're not Wim Hof. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't know. It would be a split second in the moment decision. Fair, and, fair. you know, I'm right. sat on a sofa here having yeah. a lovely time. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do one more? Yeah. Right. Have you watched The Last of Us? Would you know the premise? We watched the first episode, then my wife said I don't watch anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. Would you persevere? I would. I, yeah, I was it up for persevere. It, it felt really good. Yeah. And I've played... No, I haven't played a bit. I watched a bit of the game. But I was like, do I need that? Because there was an old woman zombie in the first episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't need you in my head. So I was like, am I happy to turn this off? Well, you might not like this question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. If... One of those, and some of the zombies, I think they're so the, what's the right word? Afflicted, right? That they can't see, yeah. They can hear, and that's how they'll then try and get you. Oh, you're right. But if you had to say something to a zombie to try and deter it, what do you think is the first thing you'd 
if it's coming towards you. What, to put it off yeah. my... <laughs> uh, what, if one came through there, just... Um, if it came through there now, through these just doors. stop. <clears throat> so I sort of start with that. Just stop. <laughs> Stop. Just stop what you're doing. <laughs> I don't know. I'd really try and talk to it. Stop. Just stop what you're doing. <laughs> Who are you? Who were you? Who were you? Yeah. <laughs> Turn around. <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> yeah. Off you pop. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. All right. We'll move on from those yeah. randoms. I, I don't mind. I, you, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. There was there was quite yeah. a few in that, and there was a nice mix of. I mean, you know, I was on the <clears> back foot then with the. Yeah, I put you in an uncomfortable situation <laughs> at times. <laughs> I can only apologise. <clears throat> this is the plot twist podcast. Yeah. So let's get to the first plot twist, the main plot twist, really, which is, I suppose, an unexpected moment in your life which changes your narrative and your story. Is there a standout plot twist for you that comes to mind? Oh hugely it's um just ridiculous in fact the, the older i get i look back at that time and i go that's insane what happened then like how could that have happened anyway but so i just made a short film it wasn't even a film it's just me talking like a talking head talking to camera i played this monster hunter had this idea like a video diary drove to wales just film myself the whole way in character. It's really weird, what a weird man. Why Wales? Because that's where this supposed creature lived in this <clears> lake. <throat> right. And a lot of people said, why don't you just go out the reservoir up the road and pretend? I was like, oh, yeah. But I drove four hours to... Bloody hell. Yeah, sort of talking to the cow. I'm driving to Wales. And, uh, a bit method. Yeah. I think part of me thought, let's be a little bit method here. Yeah, made this little film... I've been in touch with someone on the internet who I didn't know but ran this comedy website. This is like 20 years ago. I said, oh, I wrote to him. I made this film. Like, I didn't know anyone in the industry. He said, I'll oh, send it to my agent. Was he so, just like the one contact you had then? Yeah, he. it was Jim Field Smith, who's a director, film director, TV director. He's like very successful yeah, now. Yeah. But not at the time. He was yeah. just in a sketch group. I didn't know him at all, but I found his website. I think it was called Idiot Lamp. It was really funny, and I asked if I could just write silly things on it. I was just driving a truck for a living and just wanting to do something in the evening, so I was writing. And then he was the only person I knew, so I made this short film and said, can you have a look at it? And he went, I sent it to my agent. I sent it to his agent, and it was Ricky's agent. And they rang me that day or the next day, and that was it. Was, so was it like, Ricky or the agent? Did Ricky ring me? He might have rang me. Maybe it's the agent, but he said, Ricky and Stephen want to meet you. Wow. So I was literally just delivering. At that point, they're, they're big, aren't they? So oh, they, the were, they were writing the Christmas special of The Office at that point. Right. I was just looking at them, their work, just everything they're doing. Their, were they doing their podcast at the time? I don't know. They must have been getting close to that. And extras probably. And Extras was later. It was a few years later. Yeah. Just like, what? They want to see me. I'm just... So that was the turning point. And I remember going, my life's changed. And uh, thinking it's going to change like that. And no, it doesn't it Doesn't change like that. But it takes it's, time. Yeah. It, yeah, it certainly sent me in another direction. What did, what, do you remember what Ricky first said to you? 
Yeah, we had a meeting. Uh, he said, come up and meet Ricky and Stephen and Gupta, the producer. So I was like, this is, I didn't know this world at all. So I had to meet them in this office in Oxford Street. And, uh, yeah, really struggling, <laughs> really, really panicky. And uh, I, I went up, went in this building, up the lift, lift doors open at like floor 30, and Ricky was stood there. Heartbeat going. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he just said, take shoes off. I went, yeah. <laughs> I started to take my shoes off in the lift. He went, no, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And I really laughed. I thought, oh, that's that's a funny welcoming. Anyway, just, yeah, we went into this room and they were just chatting about what do you want to do and really like the film, what else have you got? And it's just, I just, they had post-it notes on the wall, the Christmas special of The Office. And I remember them saying, don't look at that. Okay. But I was just sat there like a rabbit in the headlights. And you must have been a big fan at that point as well, right? I was a huge fan. Yeah, massive. It's been so surreal. I think like six months earlier, I'd emailed Asha Taylor and just said, oh, hello, I wonder if I could be a runner on the next series of The Office. And yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to be part of the world, but I didn't know what that was or how to do that. And I didn't even know what I wanted to do, whether I, to, whether I wanted to work in the background or muck around and perform or... So making the short film and then saying, we like it, I was like, Oh, it just kind of gives you that. I don't know. You sort of need it. Mm. Well, if they like it, maybe I should just keep doing it. And yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Did he tell you then to sort of get into stand up a bit more? No, I got it. So through it, I got his agent, and it was his <clears> agent <throat> that said, "Look, no one knows who you are. You're just this bloke who's making these weird, <laughs> shitty films, and you're Welsh monsters." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said, you need to get out there and just get your name out. And I'd always wanted to do stand-up, so I loved Harry Hill. I was like, oh, man. Yeah, so I just went for it and, uh, yeah. Do you remember the first gig? Yeah, it was in Eastbourne. God, I don't know I did it now. Cause it's... It fascinates me with comedians that knowing that passion for it, but to actually go into that first gig. Do you know what it was? I had a lump on my hip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just like now. <laughs> I had a lump on my hip. And I remember going, oh, I've got cancer. Brilliant. I'm 31. I've got cancer. Great. Mm. I've just met Ricky. <laughs> and I go and get cancer. But I went to the doctor. I went to a couple of doctors. And they went, no, you're fine. I went, right, I'm doing stand-up. That was kind of the thing where I've got to take this opportunity mm. now. Yeah, it felt like ridiculous. Shocked to the system a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like my own making. But um, I'm such a worry with things like that. The slightest oh, thing, I think, oh, you're a goner. Oh, same. Yeah. Terrible. But I really thought this is it. Brilliant. And um, when they said, no, you're fine, I was like, right, I've got to go and do stand up. That was the, yeah. Now when I think about, like, it takes, it takes years to get good at stand up. And even then. So what you're like on your first ever gig. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I got one laugh and I, that was sort of enough. I was like, oh, shit. I did something that made someone laugh. You got the reaction, yeah. Yeah. But the butterflies beforehand. Oh, my God, yeah. 
That's why I was doing it in character, so it wasn't <clears throat> me. There's a bit of protection there, mm. a bit of armour. And so if they didn't like it, they go, yeah, well, they don't like Brian. That's fair enough. <laughs> me, yeah. me, love me. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, but getting that getting that first laugh, bizarre. Yeah. 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 Euphoria, though, right? Definitely then. It was like I, I really wanted to – what I wanted was the feeling Harry Hill gave me the first time I saw him where I, I don't think I've ever laughed as much since. But I was in so much pain and crying and – all his ideas were so weird. I guess I would have been like 21, 22. Mm. It was all just new, all these, was like, God, I don't think like that. What's that? What's he going on about? So if I could make one person feel like that in a club, like double over, then I was like, that's what I really want to do. That was the aim. Going back before then to when you're actually creating the videos that gets to, <clears throat> to Ricky and Steve, where, where was that creatively coming from? What was, you know, you mentioned obviously the Welsh monster, but... yeah. Where do you get, where do the ideas sort of build and come from to actually then think, right, I'm going to go and pursue this and go and report, record myself, go and drive four hours, whatever it might be? Well, I know when I was about 23, 24, me and my close mates that I went to school with, we started making sketches, just have a laugh, really, at the weekend. I mean, they were awful, but there was something in it in that they tickled us. Have you still got them? I think I have. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't want to tell you. <laughs> yeah, like that, like two of my friends would dress up in, it was kind of very Reeves and Mortimer-esque. They'd mm. dress up in loads of uh, sort of tight-fitting like things down their arse and they'd, we'd just lay a mat out in Red Hill Town Centre and they'd just do this karate again. Except I wasn't performing, I was just filming it. Just, this is yeah. brilliant. He's got a toilet roll on his head and everyone's looking. <laughs> I think we were just really bored of yeah. our little, possibly our little village, our little town. So we wanted to just... Escapism. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And um, and then over the next two or three years, my friends kind of sort of lost interest in doing that. But I... Still wanted to keep mm. creating. That's the sense actually doing the research. I, I found it was someone that a real love for the game. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I think it's just not wanting a real job ever. Like because you've ever. had real jobs, right? Gardening. And, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, not not wanting a real job and um, wanting to play, just not wanting to grow up mm. at all. It's definitely that. And wanting, maybe wanting to escape where I was. Not feeling like I could ever do that, but maybe doing something that helps me getting out of that mm. sort of boring world, it felt to me. What would that kid that watched Harry Hill think of you now? Oh. What would he think of what I'm making now? Yeah. I don't know. Would you be surprised that, like... Where you've got to and all the success with it? Well, I still don't feel like I've got anywhere. So even, no, genuinely, when you get an email from you, I'm like, what does he want to talk to me for? Oh, well, I mean. No, and then, and then when you, you find go, it weird that you have fans? Or that you have somebody like me who's, who's do, do, doing... Incredibly weird. Of, of you incredibly weird. With other friends. <laughs> yeah, really weird. Because I don't think I've done anything yet. I feel like I've just started. Uh, well, that's exciting, right? Yeah, 
but at the same time, <laughs> I'm sort of ready to stop. <laughs> I, do you Don't know what? Stop. I feel like I've done, without saying like a knob, I feel like I've done everything I've wanted to do or I've, I've done stand-up. I threw mm. stand-up. I, I made a show. I did Edinburgh. So each step of the way, I'm like, oh, what does that feel like? I've done that now. Mm. I always wanted to do a sitcom, wrote a sitcom, did that. And then we did a film, did a film, did a podcast. <laughs> like me and Joe joke about getting to the top of the charts. We got to number one for a week. Literally done everything. I'm like, oh, right. Was it Gossip Mongers that got to number one? No, the latest one we yeah, I mean, it's all meaningless, <laughs> but I sort of experienced all these little, had these experiences. I'm like, okay, do I want to keep doing it now? I think you should. Well, I think I will. Because you'll cost... give me more content with my friends to <laughs> oh, talk right. <laughs> I think I will because I just enjoy mucking around. But, yeah, there's definitely a moment recently where I'm like, mm, do you want to keep doing that? I mean, the mucking around thing, I spoke to my, my two friends both ironically called Tom, about what they'd ask you. Oh, right. And immediately, without any hesitation, they went the outtakes. Yeah. Because it's just, it just brings such joy oh, and yeah. laughter. Yeah. I mean, for you in that moment, it must just be, you must be on cloud nine. It just, I mean, it must be so funny. Well. Trying to simulate a sex scene. Yeah, but caravan. the truth of that is, in the moment, Ricky saying, Right, we're going to go in the caravan. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. And um, Janice? Well, yeah, we're going to go in the caravan. We're just going to improvise. So, me immediately goes, fuck. Pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, shit. I've got to think of things. <laughs> and there's going to be someone with a camera and like, oh, God, people are going to be watching. So, immediately, I'm like, shit. I've got to be funny. You know, I don't quite know what that is. So, it's really lovely that you enjoy watching it, but when I'm doing it, I'm like, fucking hell, what next? What am I going to say next? What's next? When he bursts out laughing, I mean, surely. Yeah, it's really laugh. nice when I <clears throat> say something, he laughs, and I go, ah, and yeah. there's a yeah, yeah. relief. Yeah. But actually, the truth of it is, oh, I've got to be funny. It's a performance. Sort of. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How much I'm, of that is improvised and how much of that is on the script? Which bit in particular? Well, like when you're in the caravan, you're talking oh, it's about all different... Is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the caravan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if... My, Ricky might go, talk about this, and yeah. then, yeah. You just go off on one. Yeah, and then I might say something, go, do more of that. Yeah. And then, <laughs> do more humping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Is that all right? Is this funny? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so all that was, that, all that was improvised. But normally, like, when we're filming, there's a script. It's usually, it's quite loose, especially for me, it's loose. And there's certain things I have to nail. But I think the two little boys, is it the two little men? Lovely little pair of men. Yeah. I think that was improvised. Yeah, yeah, lovely little boys. Yeah, lovely little boys. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic pair of men. <laughs> but I think... Two travellers having an affair with your oh, wife. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. And Brian trying to be um, positive about them. Yeah. They're lovely men. <laughs> having an affair with yeah. your wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I think the understanding is that Ricky will give me space to, if I come up with an idea, to just see where it goes. 
And then it normally ends with laughter or I'll muck up a line and he'll go, right, do it again. And yeah, let's get that bit in again. And What's, what's he like on set like that? Is he quite regimented and... Because we, because obviously on the outtakes, you just see you trying to say something pretty funny, and then he just bursts out laughing and he goes, "Do it again, do it again." Well, with me, that's only my experience. Really, it feels really playful with like me or maybe Colin Holt, mm -hmm. like those sort of characters, and just come in and go knobs and then walk out. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> he's not always. <laughs> it's really easy this job. Yeah, but you know, sometimes you got to nail it and. Um, but it's so playful and it's uh, it's really... I mean, we finish at like 4 p.m. That's like not bad. Most recordings are like 7 till 7, I guess. If you're working after 4, you're going, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. yeah. I think people love working with him. I just... I'm so lucky that I can just... If I've got an idea in the moment... Can just go you off. You can improvise and he will yeah. let you do that. He won't go, whoa, yeah. whoa, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty cool gig. Yeah, I'm, I've been very lucky. Has, um, has life changed a bit after Afterlife in the... Yeah. It's, it has... I mean, it's a global hit. It's not just a massive hit in the UK. It's done well worldwide, isn't it? As a Netflix show. It does feel different. In fact, I was talking to Joe Wilkinson about it this weekend and even he's feeling it from Afterlife, I mm. think. You know, Joe's a big name from... Countdown yeah, big profile and, before, right? Yeah, but I think he's feeling an extra bit of attention from Afterlife. Boost up those podcast rankings. That's all right. Oh, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because it's just such a gradual thing, especially when it's on Netflix. So people are just <clears throat> continuing to watch Derek and uh, Afterlife. He's like, oh, I can feel it now. I mean, I, I don't get much. Well, I think what helps you with the beard as well. You've trimmed the beard. Yeah. Because both Kev and Derek have quite a distinctive look, don't they? Yeah. I don't get much at all. I th people I'd... must quote stuff at you. It's quite rare that people go, oh, you're... Like, uh, they spent... not say a line to you? No, like I spent the weekend with Joe and he gets stopped all the time. And I just keep walking. <laughs> it, honestly, it's perfect. Because I look at how you have to... Like he said to me, I have to, I have to sort of put half an hour on it every sort of walk I do through town. Or So you I look at that and I go, just, no, I don't wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that, would you? No. And I don't get that at all. I might, I might get the odd person who stops me. It's really nice, but yeah. I think people crave celebrity, don't they, and this sort of attention. But actually, after a while, how invasive it becomes, yeah. it's actually quite, quite negative. I think I remember Les Dennis saying it's great for about two weeks and then it's just like, oh, my God. Leave me alone. Yeah, I do not crave that. It's really nice when people like you email or when people stop me and go, I really like whatever. But to have that all the time, I couldn't cope. Has no one ever gone sign of the twine? What, in my face? What's just gone up to you and done <laughs> Kev's greeting to his family or his brothers? No, no. Jo sign see, Joe's had it. Has he? I, I think people just don't... I've had loads of people go, what, you're... You're Kev. Yeah, or you're Brian. Yeah, but Joe has it when he's walking down there. Hey, Joe! <laughs> Sign of the time, mate. I'll see you with your wife. <laughs> All right. I may have done that on a stag do in Amsterdam years ago. What, with Joe? No, not with oh. Joe. <laughs> right. <laughs> with a group of boys. Yeah, that was... of me doing Sign of the Twine. That was improvised, I think, in the moment. Oh, was it? I think so. 
do you know all that? It's lip. Look, I'm not he's saying he's a wonderful character. What Joe's Kev? Oh yeah, yeah. A bit like Brian as well, though, because it's just sort of a you get that initial view of him. Right. You think what a pest, what a pervert, but actually there's so many more layers to him, and actually a really gentle, lovely guy. He just wants to be loved, doesn't he? Really. Yeah, I remember. Because that was the first thing I'd done properly. I've done extras, but this was the first, like, Ricky gave me mm. a big part. And uh, episode one and two had gone out, and I was getting a lot of hate online. Just love Derek. Hate that character. I was like, oh, God, I'm ruined his new show. And he, I remember Ricky ringing me and saying, look, just hold tight. That's he said, I think mm. episode six will be... And it works like that, his little admission at the end. That was so much fun to do that. God. Ridiculous. Was that actually in a nursing home? In the, actual... the pilot was. <clears throat> no, no, it wasn't. What we're we talking about. But the actual, the series was bit of set. It was a bit of set. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. that one scene where we, I'm an alpha male. Yeah, I don't know if that made it in. We talked about Nick Knowles. Yeah. yeah. Who'd be your so, Nick Knowles? Nick Knowles. That was Nick Knowles. What? Who would I go to bed with, you mean? Well, who would be your... <laughs> well, Nick Knowles. Your male pin-up. <laughs> I'm very much into, not in this way, but I'm fascinated by men in their sort of late 50s, like, or early 60s, like Maidley, Knowles, Titchmarsh. I guess they're all a bit partridge-esque, maybe. Maidley's definitely become a caricature of himself, isn't he? I he's definitely Maidley. got a bit, he's definitely got a bit partridge about But him. I think they're lovely men. <laughs> I want to give him up. Is Richard Maley? He's a lovely man. Isn't I think, I'm sure he is. It's just the way he cuts off an interview. Interview Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, when we did those talking heads on Derek, because I've been such a fan of The Office, mm. I just remember that first week, I think it said in the, like, what was coming up, it's like, all right, all of David's talking heads on the Friday and the Thursday. Oh, shit. We're doing that thing where you, Martin Freeman was talking to the or Mackenzie Crook. Shit, we're doing that. It's just oh, one on one with the camera. Yeah, it's just very bizarre that what I'm doing. I'm sat in that position with Ricky directing me, and because I'd loved the office, like oh my god, I'm actually living the dream almost. Yeah, but I not just don't want to f- screw this up. I imagine Carl felt the same, didn't? Because he's he was the first guest on Plot Twist. Oh, was he? Yeah, and he was talking about. He was terrified, I think, in the first series. Well, he's on the first series, isn't he? Yeah. But he was, was what, it, he's oh, out of his comfort zone. You couldn't tell. He, did, he was great. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, I, I remember sitting there and uh, just the camera. I mean, this is someone who's never acted or anything. It's like, Do you have any I, training up until that point? Oh, no, God, no. Uh, so it's a camera, right? <clears throat> the crew and then Ricky sat just by the side I'm like shit I'm doing one of those talking heads and then it's just all on you and mm. yeah scary that is scary really scary yeah it must be a nice feeling when it's once you do the scene right because it's that confidence I know I, I, I think Carl's thing was I, I'm not sure I belong here this is the actor's world and I'm an same. outsider coming in same I always think well someone else can do a better job than this that's the big, do you know what, on this podcast, the biggest takeaway from, especially actors, and anyone actually, is that sort of imposter syndrome. I mean, to the point where I get sent emails from my agents for castings or offers and I just delete it. Do you? Yeah. Or even now? Yeah. Because I'm like, I can't handle the stress. 
What about after Brian and Charles? That must have, because that had a different level of recognition. What, for offers or? For you to sort of think, no, this is my gig and this is where no. I belong. No. No, I feel like I got away with murder. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'll be found out in the next one. Oh, no, I disagree completely. Yeah, honestly, I'll get an email and I'll go, oh, God, delete. <laughs> Even if it interests you. Right, if something really interests me, oh, no, that's... If it, if it gets the uh, creative juices flowing. No, I will take it seriously then, but I will find any chance or opportunity. Like, my agent will have to talk me round. I mean, I nearly pulled out Brian and Charles with, like, two months to go. Did you? Yeah, I rang up producer and director. I said, let's get someone else in. Even like, though it was primarily your concept, right? <laughs> my concept, my <laughs> character. But I was like, let's get someone else in. Michael Sheen, who can act. <laughs> He'll do Michael something Sheen's, similar. Yeah. It'll be yeah. good enough. He can impersonate anyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's too stressful. I wish I watched it, it, I watched it again last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I, I preferred it watching it the second time, actually. Right. Because when I saw the poster, I sent it to one of the Toms. Um, you know, we're fans. Who of. are these Toms? Who are these Toms? Tom McMahon and me. Um, <laughs> grandson of Laurie. Oh, right. And I said, oh, this is going to be a giggle. This is going to be a laugh. And it, don't get me wrong, there are funny moments in it. I mean, Charles at the back of the truck shooting cabbage at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. You know, you burst out laughing. But actually, there are, there are the sentiment and themes that are far bigger than that. Yeah. But that was, I guess that was part of the, the idea, right? That was, yeah. To, to portray that. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Regarding that that whole process, just you just write stuff on a paper, say it out Where loud does that, that? That was my main question for you. Where did that come from as a starting point? You obviously got Brian the character. You've had different variations of him through stand up and you yeah. know, afterlife, and but to go into that particular setup where he what, builds a robot, where he builds a robot, becomes almost a bit of a sassy teenager, and they have this back and forth, and yeah. but build this affection for one another. And actually be taken quite seriously, critically. Yeah. Where did that start? That started with, I did a radio, internet radio show as Brian. And the idea was that he was the worst, world's worst radio show host. And he shouldn't have a microphone. So people would ring up or Skype in and I'd just dump them before they've even said, are you boring me? <laughs> like, it's just had no sort of <laughs> social skills. And then my friend Rupert, called up and he was too frightened to talk so he found this voice software and one of the voices he used was charles and so we create this little relationship hello charles <laughs> <laughs> and rupert would be at home just so i'd have to wait for him to type it out where are you charles and i'd sort of sit there just waiting and uh, he'd you know he'd answer <laughs> I really like the pregnant pauses and this silly little relationship that they created. And then Chris, my friend, writer, performer, he was listening and really enjoyed it. And he said, oh, we've got to make Charles. So he, he sort of, he made Charles over a weekend. He said, oh, let's just do them live. It really made me like, like if he comes in here, Charles, he's about seven foot eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here he comes. Yeah. And uh I'm Charles Petrescu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we did uh we did a live show in South London somewhere, it's back of a pub. Chris was in Charles. I was on stage. 
and Rupert was at the back of the room behind the audience on the computer yeah, voicing yeah. it. Yeah. So it's great. So we could get heckled and Charles could just come back with something. Yeah. People are like, how, the, how are they doing this? Yeah. It's, it's great fun. It was so ludicrous. We did that uh, for a year or two, did a show, and then we kind of thought, oh, what do we do with it? Let's just make a short. Sort of wanted to immortalise them and just put it on YouTube and move on. I saw you put that in an interview and you said, put it on YouTube, you know, get a few hundred views or whatever. But what was the goal when you actually make the film? Literally, we were worried. I don't know why. Well, we loved them. We wanted more people to see Charles because mm. we just love Charles. And we didn't, we just didn't want anyone else to do something similar. Don't steal art. Don't steal art. The IP. <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> just wanted to put them on screen and go, we did that in 2015, Sonny. So we just wanted to stick it on YouTube and move on. And I just remember we made it and just... <laughs> the bragging rights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've done that, Sonny. Yeah. Not, not the recognition or the money, just the bragging rights that <laughs> <laughs> we did it first on YouTube. We were just worried. Well, we felt like it was a really good... We thought it was a good idea. Well, I, think I mean, great. no one else was doing it at the time. But we thought it was a good idea. We thought, oh, I'll bet someone else comes on and makes one called Susan. <laughs> so we thought, let's let's just uh, stick it on YouTube, <laughs> get the bragging rights. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I remember Jim sent through the, the cut. I think I texted everyone and said, 273 views on YouTube. And as soon as we put it out, immediately on social media, it just got, oh, shit. More traction than you expected. Like loads in the first hour. Like from people we admired and, yeah, it just seemed to gain heat. And then Film 4 said, have you thought about turning this into a feature length? I'm like, no, wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. Then you get, is it Sundance Film Festival? There starts to be a bit of attraction and was it there? It got picked yeah, up? Yeah, it and... got picked up there. Literally one of the first films where it got picked up. Like, because I'm not a film nerd. I've sort of heard of these festivals. I'm like, is that good? Is it good that we're going? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is good. Is it? Okay. And then when we did the London Sundance, we were all leaving we were, I wanted to leave early, so I was just like, it was just too busy. And and they said, you need to come back. I said, you won the award and there's a good chance you've won. I was like, what? Yeah. That's pretty so cool. So happy accidents. Oh, it's not an accident though, is it? No, but you're not, we're not aiming. I don't <clears> feel like we're aiming for anything throughout that time. You're just having a laugh with your mates. Yeah. Yeah. But even critically acclaimed, it's, it's done really well. Oh, I mean, we used to say on set. I mean, if you if you'd say the concept out loud, we'd never that... have got it made. <laughs> and that's sort of what's it's sort of frustrating going into if we have new ideas. We got that made because we made an eight minute film. You mm. could go right. He looks like that. He looks like that. And they behave like this. And we're gonna make it. Yeah. But if and you... the response it got, obviously. Yeah, and but if you write it down in an email so I got this idea about this I don't know giant slug and it's like oh, what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> which is fair enough yeah but it's sort of like um Brian himself actually yeah because he is he's like this inventor he's a maverick mm. and a lot of it is you know you could Crap. say 
a load of crap. Yeah. But sometimes there might just be something in there that you think, you know what, that could that could be something. Yeah, I mean, afterwards, having seen it, I'm like, oh, right, yeah, he's just me, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just me sort of fiddling away at things and hoping that something works. I wanted the grandfather clock to take off. Oh, would <laughs> no, be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. And the fact he was so specifically says, we're going to get to 90 miles an hour. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah, That was yeah. the speech he needed yeah. to get to to yeah. take off. yeah. Oh, that was really stressful doing that little ride. Yeah, I can imagine. Bloody heavy. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. No, it's been amazing. In fact, uh, on set, we would go, we all we'd talk about is what does Mark, Kerm what's Mark Kermode going to think of this movie? What's Mark Kermode? And then when his uh, review came out, I remember Chris just texted me and said, the battle is over. <laughs> the king has spoken, the battle is over. <laughs> you get the feedback there. Yeah. I'm just getting the feedback itself. From Commode, uh, my own Commode. Oh, it's so lovely, yeah, that side somewhere. of it. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. The development of the character of Brian. Because I've seen, like, uh, some videos you did years ago where he's like, he's a rambler. Do you remember those? Yeah. And he's talking about the woodlouse. It's his favourite sex position. <laughs> and he's sort of... Flipping out, you know, I deleted all those. Did you? I mean, I oh, I don't know what so I was funny. saying in that. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> but... The character's obviously taken on different sort of... Like in Brian and Charles, he's, that sort of the seedy side of Brian is not there to no. be seen, really. No. There's more, you, you see more loneliness, but also this maverick who wants to... Yeah. He wants to be loved, I think, as, you know, is one, one thing. But in different ventures, different projects, he has got a different sort of side to him. Where does that sort of come from? Well, I mean, stuff with, like, Ricky is kind of... That's the angle Ricky wants to take with him. <laughs> as inappropriate as you can. And do you know what? When I did stand-up, I, I, it was sort of a mix. I quite like that he was a really bad stand-up and tonally got it all over the shop. So he'd do like a like a knock-knock joke. And then the next next joke, he's getting some plastic cock out of his pants. Like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> yes. Like, you can't judge a room. Or, yeah, yeah. So he's like, he's like the world's worst entertainer really so i guess but he's harmless isn't he oh completely harmless yeah yeah, yeah. isn't that what he's doing yeah <laughs> like if someone taps on the shoulder and he came off stage and said that's not art isn't it no oh how should i do it like <laughs> yeah um so i guess ricky saw that side of it but when we did the film we wanted we wanted it to appeal to younger a younger audience and yeah I think because I've got young children. I'm, I'm like, Have they seen any of your your more? Oh like, God, no. Kev. I mean, I, I've got an older boy, and I mean, he was so embarrassed going through his teens. <laughs> it's horrible, and now he quite likes it. But uh, that's Take why I've deleted uh, deleted so many. Oh, I've got to bring back the Rambler. Oh, that's well gone. I don't know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> the fact I've remembered the woodlouse of all things. Yeah. Really, I'm going to go straight into another plot twist question. Yeah. This one's plot twist person. It might be obvious. Right. But typically we like to look at it as a surprise entity, somebody that's come out of nowhere and been an influence that you perhaps wouldn't have foreseen. Oh, my word. Imagine that there's probably been quite a few. I was thinking, like, I've sort of mentioned him already, but 
Me and Joe were chatting to someone this week and he, it, the thing he kind of advises young people is find a mentor, is find someone who's done or doing what you want to do mm. and they're sort of five, six, seven years ahead so they can go, don't do that, yeah, do that, don't mm. do that. And I'd have to say it was Ricky. Well, it's a bit obvious and it'd cringe if I said it, but in the early days when I was struggling like in clubs, I would just have him on my shoulder just going, no, it's fine, keep doing well, what you're doing. You supported him quite a bit, didn't you, in some some shows? Yeah, I did. There's those videos on Facebook. Yeah, I was just from the very early days. And I'm looking back now, I'm like, oh, my God, that was so important to me. If that hadn't have been there, I wouldn't have carried on. Yeah, he'd hate to hear that. But I'm telling you now, son. <laughs> But I'll it tell was, you what, as far as having anyone in, in your corner who's amazing, you know, a mentor or somebody that wants to use your talents, he's he's got to be up there. Yeah, and you know, just the first first few years, five, six, seven, eight years, nothing's happening, just plodding along on stage, and it really helped. It really kept it because I admired so much what he did, what he'd made. What it created, I was like, oh, just keep going, just keep going. I mean, also, I enjoyed doing it, but how yeah. frequently were you doing it? Like, did what, you have stand other up? Yeah, had you other jobs in the background, or were you actually? This yeah, was I, was, I was gardening. Love it, love a bit of gardening. I like gardening, yeah, actually. I do. Therapeutic. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on a mower <laughs> going up and down this drive in Blindly Heath in Surrey. And then I would do probably two, maybe two gigs a, a week. No one would book me because my act was so weird. <laughs> or I was shit. One of the, one of the two. A mix of mix of the two. I think more the former. Yeah, I'll, but I'll go on stage and the audience would go, um, like maybe seventy percent of the audience would go, "What? What's this? Who is this man?" <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a promoter, yeah, I'm not booking him again. I'm not having him on again. As somebody who appreciates your work, I think if I was sat there in that environment, that would make me laugh even more. Oh, that's There's what people I, around me that are going, oh, I love, what's this? Yeah, so I love like Paul Foote and, I mean, the early days, Tim Key. They'd have loads of that and I absolutely love watching people just go... <clears throat> and just be creasing up that people either didn't, didn't get, get it, it or didn't want to get it. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, so I definitely sort of thrived on that. But at the same time... Like I supported Scroobius Pip. He sort of reminds me I supported him on tour. I think after every gig or every time I came off stage, I'd go in the changing room and go, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry for what I've just done out there. And he'd go, that's what I booked you for. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody comes up to you now and they, and they you know, you strike up a conversation, didn't know who you were, what would you say you are? As an occupation, <laughs> why it's not a sin? <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> I'm a dickhead. Um, uh, what do I do? I don't know. I don't know what I do. I've always got stuff. Because you've got a mixture, haven't you, with the stand-up, the acting. I'm a content the, creator. You're a content creator. Yeah. I'm a CC. I'm a content creator. You're an influencer. No, I'm trying to write, trying to write my act very, very occasionally. Do my podcast. Yeah, uh, podcast a lot. I actually. do Twitch. Yeah. I love my Twitch. Sorry, did you giggle? Is that a giggle? I love my Twitch. No, I'm sure you do. 
<laughs> Do you watch Twitch? Not really. Oh, I love Twitch. Do you never watch Twitch? I can't say I do because I associate. Let's it talk with... Twitch. Okay, we can talk Twitch. <laughs> we can look at the camera and talk Twitch. I like it's Twitch. Like, yeah. Do you want to hear about Twitch? You tell me about Twitch. I uh, say I, this is what I picture. I picture eighteen-year-old gamers who are irritating as fuck. All right. Talking about their experience and then something they've got, or, or life in general. It's like, yeah. well, you haven't got any life because yeah, you, yeah, you haven't yeah. experienced life. Yeah. So, okay. what, why am I, so t- you tell me your perspective because it might actually, maybe <laughs> you'll recruit me. Uh, right. So, in lockdown, first lockdown, mm. me and Joe were writing a sitcom, but that kind of, we didn't know when we'd come back to f- like film the sitcom. So, it was like work went. Is this the one you starred in with him? Uh, yeah, it's called The Cockfields. Yeah, The Cockfields. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, uh, right, what am I going to do? And so I spoke to Ian Lee, but Ian said, try Twitch. So like, what's Twitch? I had the same. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. I'd seen a bit of it. I, was I thought like, you were giving me a bit of shit, but actually. No, not okay. at all. No. no okay, I had the same as you. Yeah. I, when he said that, I was like, I've seen Twitch. <laughs> and uh, no, he said, he said, Limmy does it. He said, you should watch Limmy. And so I watched a bit of Limmy. I was like, oh, it's brilliant. Like, or at least he's brilliant. So just to keep myself occupied, I had a go. I hadn't played computer games for years. Are you zoning out? Am I zoning out? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, are you zoning out on Twitch? I was trying to explain. I wonder which game you were playing. Cricket. Cricket? (laughs) Okay. Brian Laura. No, it's called... Like I this, used to play this Brian guy. Lara back in the day. So. Did you? Did you yeah. play cricket? Bits and pieces. Yeah. And pe- <laughs> I don't mind like, the occasional slog, but okay. that would be, yeah. So I, I went on and about 100 people watched. Mm. So I put on Twitter, about 100 people watched. And the first things I did was played Sims. No Sims? Classic. But yeah. I played it as a character that I did called Combo. I don't know if you've ever seen Combo. <laughs> oh, really? No. <laughs> <laughs> so Cumbo is sort of he's like a um, sort of character is he he's kind of a middle aged guy who thinks he's Peter Pan and uh, he would be a sort of bloke you'd see on Twitch right yes, yes. so he's using that platform so, oh, so you're in character doing it yeah I was in platform uh, uh, in, ca- in platform character as Cumbo on Twitch on Twitch so you're not David Earl no oh. I am now Oh, you are now? Okay. I am now. All right. <laughs> but then I did get-ins. Yeah. So I would... <laughs> I would pay to see that. I would have like a canal journey behind me. Yeah. And just sit there with a canal boat going down there. Oh, look, there's a goose. So it's basically that for two hours if you're up for that on Twitch. And... Uh, uh, yeah, I would be. <laughs> well, I enjoyed it. And I, but I did combo a lot as Sim, so he really got into this character walking around the streets, and uh, and that was like loads of fun. And then I thought I'm going to pretend to be the England cricket manager, so I put uh, like a straw hat on and a pipe, and uh, I played cricket on Friday nights, like T20 of World Cup. We had one night at like fifteen hundred, two thousand people watching. Nice. Like, it was nuts. But what I loved about Twitch is that it created this community. Yes, yeah, that's true. It was amazing. 
so all these people who were struggling through the lockdowns all got together and made these great friendships and I'd be the dickhead on the screen that they'd sort of watch, but actually they're just chatting amongst themselves. And um, now when I watch the TV, I'm like, where's the, where's the community? Where's the comment box? Mm. That TV seems a bit dull. But I, so I still do Twitch. I still really enjoy it. So the, where I was going to, there's a cricket game called Cricket 22. And the guy who created it got in touch with me and said, do you want us to put you in the game? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> he said, we're going to make you England cricket manager. Thank you. Oh, my God. Yeah, so in the new game. I'll tell you what, in terms of uh, ticking off... Uh, I'm telling you. Ticking I'm off like, the list, you're doing all right. Yeah. So, so you can select David Earl as... You can do a career mode, and once you get picked by England, <laughs> I come into the nets. Uh, hello, I'm uh, nice to meet you. Hope we're going to have a lovely relationship together. <laughs> What's your start of management? Is is there such a thing? What within the game? Yeah. No, he just comes in little cutscenes and go, "You played ever so well," and yeah. So I felt like you about Twitch, and now I'm still doing it three years later. I think it's great fun. It's just a little platform to be a. Dickhead. Maybe I've been too dismissive here. I think so. Yeah. Maybe I mean, have you seen Limmy on Twitch? No. I'm obviously missing it. There's obviously this whole community. You, that you've I'm got. You've got to have a look. You've yeah. got to have a look. I've got to check it out. Yeah. You don't look convinced. <laughs> I think it would depend on what game I'm playing. I, I, Actually, I, I it's not my about default the game. Is FIFA, which for I a... play FIFA. All right. We can have a game. I mean, I could go right off on one. It's, it's probably a bit boring, but I've created um, this family called the Tucker Smiths. And they're, they're about 50. Betty are we, are Tucker. We, are we on The Sims again? <laughs> Betty Tucker Smith. This doesn't make any sense to anyone, but I, Betty Tucker Smith has given birth to like 60 sons. And each one of them is a, like a great football manager. <laughs> so I try and get out of League Two as one of her sons. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, kind of. So I've tried with Gary Tucker-Smith. And and these are just characters you made up? Yeah, so I make them up. <laughs> and then I have I make little interviews with them and conversations with them. And... See, I do that on Football Manager. Right. I play that. Yeah. yeah. Used to get obsessive with that back in the yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Well, I've tried yeah. to get out of League Two now for 18 months and I haven't managed to. They haven't sacked you? They sack me, but then I just go create Bring another, another Smith. <laughs> and I And I go and look after Fleetwood. for. So I've had these people watching me for 18 months just watching League Two football, sort of mid to lower table. Anyway, Good that's Twitch. Good for them. Yeah. Talk, talking to football, you do your football podcast. Yeah. My New Football Club. We mm. focus on Exeter City. Yeah. Are you enjoying that experience? I love it. Because that's a community in itself, right? Yeah, I, I feel like I'm looking for that. I feel like I'm looking for that. Someone, I heard someone say recently, yeah, every so often, or like every week, you should go to an event where there are lots of people to feel like you're part of something or a community. Or mm. a, I thought, yeah, I think that's why I'm doing it. I couldn't agree more with that, actually. Yeah. yeah it just lifts your... Yeah, it's nice to be yeah. part of... I love it, walking into the ground and just seeing everyone. Now I've made friends with Chris and... Uh... Is it Chris you host it with? No, he's just an old bloke. So it's... Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, but I've, I'm sort of getting to know everyone around me in my seats and they sort of pass around little bald sweets and... Hello. Yeah, Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I love all that. Sat here, though. Exeter, what, 15th currently in the table, give or take? Yeah. 
Plymouth are first. Going up. I don't want to. I don't want to be awkward, David L. But do you feel like maybe you've made the wrong choice? Well, my wife, my wife was saying that she was like, mm. "Can't you just?" I mean, Rob Beckett said to me last week, "Wouldn't it be great if you just switched. sat off it, switched, <laughs> like for the pod, yeah. just my new football club yeah. now with Plymouth." Like, I'd be hated by everyone. Oh, you'd be yeah, yeah. yeah. You wouldn't dead. be allowed back in the ground. No, Plymouth would hate <laughs> me. Exeter would hate me. I wouldn't want to do that anyway, but. <laughs> Just for the record. But I do look at their crown and Club go, Poor. Super fan. Yeah. 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 Before we uh, we wrap up, what's what's life for you outside of work? Like, you know, you've got your family and your kids, but in terms of other passions and hobby, the gardening, and what, what does David Hill like to do in his spare time there's when not, you get it? Yeah, there's not a lot of it, really. It's just, it's the family. Yeah. Twitch. It's, it's Twitch. <laughs> it's the Tucker Smiths. Yeah, it's the family. It's just the family. Because you moved to Devon, is it two years ago now? I moved to Devon. I said to my wife, let's move to Devon. Because she is she originally from Devon? She's from Totnes, yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not far from Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. So I said, let's go to Devon. I'll do a bit of work in the morning. We'll spend the afternoon on the beach. Just you and me. The dream. <laughs> and now I feel like I'm working more than ever. I'm like, oh, that hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That hasn't worked out. But, yeah, it's family. When I'm not working, it's family. Nice. Yeah. I want to end on... Go back to some of those scenes that you've done with Ricky. Yeah. And reading the script and then even being in the scene and doing it. What's been the sort of funniest moment for you? Weirdly, from what I remember, it's a scene where... Probably couldn't tell if you watched it. But it's a scene where... I think... What am I doing? I think I'm telling Kerry on Derek. I'm telling her about a dream I had mm. that involved her. Mm. And that I was wanking behind a cupboard watching her or something. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and that one took, I felt like it took about two hours to do. Is it because he said he didn't want to have sex? He just wanted to do that. Is that the one? Am Maybe. <laughs> he wanted to I he think he to says, humiliated. even in my dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you rebuffed me or whatever it was. Yeah. He, he didn't even want me in my dream. But I think, I think it was, I think it was that. But I remember that going on for ages. I remember, re, I think, because I think at the time Kev's got a tie on. He's trying to be a little bit different. Yeah. He's trying to, so he's talking. You know, he's trying to be a better person, and he can't do it. So that one took a while. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there are any outtakes of it. No, I know. I think I know the scene though. Right. Okay. It's good. It's good. Yeah. But I've loved having you on. Thank, Thank you, you so much for doing this. Thank you very much. Great to see you. Yeah. And uh, Thanks for good luck me. with whatever's next. Thank you very much. Cheers. Oh, he was bloody brilliant, David L. So nice as a fan to talk about characters that you've admired for so long and, and just share that experience with him. He was humble, passionate, hilarious, just really down to earth. That was the overriding thought coming out of it afterwards. And what a plot twist. I mean, it was perhaps obvious he would say Ricky, but even for him now, 20 years later, there is this sense of disbelief that creating these videos, having this passion and just sending it to somebody randomly, and then suddenly it leads to you meeting your comedy hero and 
changing your life for the next 20 years, that sliding door moment that we talk about, extraordinary. And you know what, as the interview went along, you started to appreciate just how much he's done, all the different projects, the stand-up, all the shows with Ricky, all the things behind the scenes that you weren't aware of, the podcast as well. It's incredible. So I think for him to get that recognition with Brian and Charles and getting the Sundance Film Festival Award, there was something really lovely about that, that he's got that recognition, and in my opinion, completely deserved. And you also learned a few other things, like Twitch. Perhaps I was a bit too dismissive, and clearly... It's got him uh, further opportunities as the <laughs> England cricket manager on the on the latest uh, cricket game that he's been playing, which I, yeah, <laughs> it just gets me the thought of that. It kind of makes me want to buy the game just so I can go on career mode and see David Earl appear <laughs> as the cricket manager for England. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. Big, big thank you to David Earl again. I thoroughly enjoyed that. If you want to see more of him, go and see Brian and Charles. It's on Sky Cinema and you can also see it with a Now Cinema membership. Go and check it out. It's brilliant. And it seems appropriate that I hand back over to the robot. So thank you for listening. This has been the Plot Twist Podcast with Tom. See you next week. Ciao. Ciao.